0: Welcome everybody to Bar Talk, the Beverage and Spirits Podcast at the Relief and Resource Company in Fenton, Michigan. I am your host, John Foley. With me as always, Courtney Booms. Hello there. Mark Miller. Welcome Hello. back, Courtney. You took yes. a hiatus on Thanks. the last She's episode. So happy to be yeah. back. We had uh Sana, on. To talked be... about wine, had a good time, but we're very yeah. happy to have you back.
1: Still have glasses. Less. Yes, fall. You do.
0: You're less tall than yeah
1: you were before? paler than has oh well.
0: you're yeah, you're I'm paler and less i'm tall describing than myself that's in true instance, yeah. <laughs> it's like how did you get less
2: paler
3: handsome
0: paler and less tall <laughs> in the meantime comparatively yes. comparatively <laughs> yes so uh we are coming to you uh courtesy of ilogic media if you do not know the content on this um this wonderful production company please check it out uh there's lots of good um uh, football stuff on right now because the draft is tomorrow the draft will already happen. By the time yes. you see this episode and um i'm sure the lions will have screwed it up very very neatly <laughs> and in a very distinctly lions way but today i think that this is probably um maybe the most surprising show for all of us that we're even doing it
1: bum, bum, bum. because
0: i don't think any of us would have at the onset of this project picked a vodka show no but we're going to do a vodka show yes. because well. you don't get to exist in the spirits <laughs> and beverage world Without talking about vodka, because vodka is a massive part of what what we a part of what we do, it is instrumental in literally paying bills because vodka is still very very popular, and you have to be able to make drinks and discuss how to build drinks with vodka because you're just you're going to have to. I, we don't get to exist in Genesee County, Michigan, and not pour vodka. We can't be super fucking hipster and say you know we, no. we don't pay we don't pour vodka because you know gin is just so much better it is right. but we also have to you have to accommodate the people that come into your bar we don't yeah. get to be yeah. that that super cool so yeah. we're gonna deep dive vodka. even though we
2: are super we cool, are super cool
0: but right? we're so cool that we've come around to that yes, and now we're embracing yes, vodka yes. in a um uh post yes. uh neo craft cocktail (laughs) evaluation type of way
2: it all started when they brought the wall down you know Um, the wall yeah the, wall. The, berlin wall. <laughs> the berlin
0: wall yes and how did you feel about that in 1989 mark i felt like when i was, was negative eight. four yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes i remember i got a christmas uh, ornament uh, about the berlin wall coming down i thought it was necessary to commemorate
2: was it just a shattered berlin no it, it was
0: a blue oh, ornament Jesus. and it said the berlin wall and it was like to commemorate it coming down i was a very serious nine-year-old all
1: right all right yeah i can picture you being an intensely serious nine-year-old actually. <laughs> Nothing but <laughs> historical Maybe. I was Christmas with, ornaments. That was the only one I ever
0: yeah, bought. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in a nutshell, everybody. But the, um, back, to, <laughs> back to the subject at hand. So we're all avoiding talking about vodka. It <laughs> is incredibly versatile, has a really interesting history, and uh, it still plays a major part in service. So we are going to talk about vodka yeah. now.
1: So I usually start with the history part of, uh, of the portion of our podcast following John's introduction, but I actually wanted to talk first about how vodka is made because it's not insanely distinct. There's like three general rules and then everything else is kind of a free for all. So vodka is a clear alcoholic beverage distilled traditionally from fermented cereal grains, i.e. wheat, rye, barley, et cetera. The stuff
0: we make whiskey out of.
1: Right, or more modern distilleries have employed the use of potatoes, rice, sugar beets, honey, fruits, even maple sap. Um, There's a huge market for gluten-free vodka, which is kind of an aside. Almost every gluten. We'll talk about gluten-free, gluten-free vodka later. <laughs> no matter yeah, what you make you it with. Then. But um, anyway, so so you've got things that you can make it from. It just has to be sugar really that gets fermented. And then I think
0: I want half the vodka tonic in front of me in me before I talk about gluten-free
1: vodka. Fine enough. I yeah. Really work so up. Besides, I'll make it,
2: I'll make you as many as you need No, <laughs> <to> you, <laughs> you don't see that rant. Yeah. <laughs> <Free> vodka,
1: <but laughs> besides using grain or other products to ferment um, to create an ethanol. The, the other kind of classification for vodka is that it's typically treated with charcoal or other materials both during and after distillation to create a flavorless or near flavorless product um, and there are some controversy and that's by means
0: of filtration
1: exactly and mm-hmm. um, there's actually some controversy around vodka's definition because there are uh, very little regulations like i said about the clarification of the spirit even so charcoal or other products so kind of it's so elaborated it there and then Flavored vodkas do exist, much like flavored gins. Though they're typically flavored post-distillation, and they're kind of classified in their own category. Um, so as long as it started off as a clear, near-flavorless product, it is vodka.
0: The the idea of 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 flavoring uh, spirits is is really interesting, and it could make for a whole entire show. Yeah. Because you have things that are flavored flavored during distillation. You have things that are flavored via via maceration and distillation and then you have things that are flavored post distillation and they they are very very different and taste different and play different in cocktails. Mm-hmm. So flavored spirits are um man that's probably a whole other show but it is really interesting in trying to like seek if you're into that kind of stuff finding things that taste genuine.
1: Yes. It's tough. Yeah. Mark add flavored spirits to the calendar. <laughs> Um, let's just
0: bang out this show tomorrow. <laughs> so I'll get you some notes at like 3 a.m. It'll be really weird. You'll piece them together. And I, I say we just just don't sleep. Get no, weird no, with yeah, it yeah, tomorrow yeah, yeah, yeah. tomorrow morning.
1: Well, I'll take
2: some ketamine.
1: It'll be great. Don't so oh, we'll wow. do that. So the first, so first rule has to be made from something that creates sugar fermented to create ethanol. Second rule has to be clarified through something like charcoal. Third rule, uh, at least in the USA, uh, the minimum ABV possible is 40% alcohol by volume, making that 80 proof. Most, I think, the maximum I've seen is 55 ABV in the American market. Um, and then the EU actually has a set minimum standard for vodka as 37.5 ABV or 70 proof. There is no maturation period required for vodka, and the purest—sorry, uh, this pure spirit drink does not legally require anything to be added, added to it post-distillation besides what it is. Um, just what people want to do. So you're yeah. making
0: some clear-ass clear, clear ass booze.
1: Yeah. Clear-ass clear, clear ass booze. Yep. Now, traditionally, vodka was drank neat. Um, it's typically made along the vodka belt of Europe. It stretches from Sweden to Poland, so it includes countries like the Ukraine, Belarus, Norway, Iceland, Finland, and Russia. And there they currently drink it uh, freezer-chilled. So you just pop that bottle in the freezer, and then you sip straight out of there. Or you can put it in a glass, but typically icy cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we can give uh, John Nicole a, a picture of the vodka belt if we wanted to pop it up. Yeah. We could, yes, yes, yeah. yes.
0: Yeah, yeah and there, that comes up. Uh, there's like the wine and beer belt too, above above which you know the countries above the belt make beer, and below the other ones make uh, make wine. Mm-hmm. I never thought of there being a mm-hmm. vodka belt, but there. I, that's there it that's it. That's where that's where they make yeah. the vodka. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh, it's just. It's interesting because you think of these places as cold, and I, I think we, as as Americans, think of them as desolate. They're certainly not. They're very populated, but there's just like no. I mean, there is pageantry about it, but it's so simple. Like we yeah. made it. It's very strong. We keep it in the freezer so it's cold, this and so ours. that when you shoot it, it blows through your body like a, so there's but like a warm, cold like a cold fucking knife there's a yeah. part and reminds you of exactly the
1: place where you live <laughs> there's a part of the formation like how vodka was made why it came about that actually comes from that and why it continues to, to be um drank chilled nowadays so uh generally speaking vodka's history is pretty contentious between about two to three countries two mainly with one kind of accepting that you could add us too if you wanted kind of situation. (laughs) Um, But it's wrapped into some of their cultural identity, and so that's also why it's contentious. Generally speaking, it's accepted that vodka came about around the 8th or ninth century. Um, It's developed in the Slavic region, so kind of exactly where that vodka belt was, as I was describing earlier. And climates of northeastern Europe were so cold that it would cause drinks like water, beer, and wine to freeze over in the winter months, no matter how warm you tried to keep your house by way of fire or like just piling in with all of your farm animals or whatever you ended up doing. Um, So when those drinks would freeze, (laughs) there'd still be a little bit of it at the, like say bottom of the basin or jug or wherever you had it uh, contained. So they would take the frozen top of the beer or the wine or whatever they were making off. And then what was left is now a higher proof remainder that is by way of freezing is kind of left there. And they found they could still drink that. So instead of uh, waiting every year for winter to happen in order to drink, this higher proof beer or wine, um, the introduction of Alembic Stills does make its way into the region. And they find out that distillation is going to do the same thing for them basically without having to wait for winter. And then they start to use the grains like we were talking about to make vodka f- effectively.
0: At least it happened in winter for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we know from
1: other uh. has got to be something to drink. I have
0: to find something to drink. <laughs>
1: Yeah. we're
2: all waiting for the winds of winter
3: like yeah. we all are <laughs> yeah
1: like we discuss in other podcasts with like aquavit there was distillation happening uh through the use of like medicinal purposes mainly or like anesthetics or disinfectants would have basically been high gravity um spirits that were distilled but those if you drank them too much obviously would you kill you because or die. yeah <laughs> it's poisonous so it
2: does Risk take about for the biscuit
0: because <laughs> 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 enough slavic folks don't drink themselves to death yeah. anyway well yeah
2: stereotype no it's not it's a it, i,
0: would, it say I yeah. would say that about anybody i would say that about anybody except massively <laughs> culturally non-drinking societies
1: fair so <laughs> it does it so since the the point where they're starting to drink because they, they do they do start to drink those higher proof alcohol um products that would otherwise kill them if they drink too much of it and it does take about two centuries to figure out the right level of drinking <laughs> ethanol effectively <laughs> ethanol, and that's been diluted Yeah. <laughs>
0: We'll figure it out. I swear. If we all keep working, we'll figure it out. And Uncle Sergei's (laughs) untimely death at 23
2: won't be in vain. R.I.P. Uncle Sergei. Gave his
0: life to this project.
1: (laughs) For science. (laughs) The other part of vodka, um, the contest between these three countries, is the the root word. So it comes from the Slavic word for water, meaning is voda or woda, depending on kind of like your regional accent, if you will. And uh, the first written and kept record of vodka production is does come from Russia in the 9th century. And it came from That's a, just
0: because they had pens.
1: Well, sort of. Not really. <laughs> They both had pens, but um, in <laughs> Russia, didn't have any pens. <laughs> in Russia, you could produce and sell vodka to whoever you wanted. But it takes Poland uh, about a century before it's uh, not prohibited to sell and make your own vodka. And so that's why they didn't really have a lot of written records, is because if you found records, you would get arrested.
0: So you can make it at all, or you could you could make, make it, it.
1: You couldn't legally sell it and make it. You ah. could. They had the means to make it, but it was like hidden. If you mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of underground. So let's start with Poland because they actually have the earliest claim. They say the 18th century. Russia says the 9th century, Ooh, 8th century, 9th century. Excuse me. Um, in Poland, vodka is produced with as much regional tradition and variation as that we can find, as that which we can find in European countries for things like Scotch or rum or wine. Even in the first instance of the written term, vodka comes from Poland in 1405 from a record of, a record of deeds. Excuse me. At the time, vodka was referencing the chemical compounds and cleansers that I was talking about. But the, they would call the beverage that they drank to be diluted down, gorzelka um, from the first distillation. And that means fire water. And then they would continue to distill it and call it um, a couple of other things as well. Some Polish vodka brands still on the market today can stretch, stretch back for centuries. The most notable for us is Zabroka. Um which we do have a bottle of, but mm-hmm. we'll probably expand on that a little bit later.
0: Polish vodka is good.
1: Yeah. And um
0: how many producers are there now though? Is, is most of it just regionally sold? So, so you have to go there to get it.
1: No, you can still get Polish vodka elsewhere, like Luskova. Luskowa, I think. How do you pronounce it?
0: Lookskova
1: is a is a Polish vodka know, brand that's super popular. Is...
0: <laughs> Lucasova.
1: Lucasova. Yeah. Absolute. Oh yeah, and Lucaswova is. That's from Poland.
0: Absolute is Polish.
1: It's originally Polish, and then it was sold and sold to the there US. There you go.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Um, <laughs> Lukasowa, for the money is great. Yeah. It's a very cheap bottle of vodka. Yeah. And it's very good, especially in cocktails.
1: Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to vodka drinkers, vodka is smooth. I mean, it's not meant to taste super alcoholic. Typically, you can taste that it's alcohol. Especially if you but drink it you have freezing a vodka cold. Drink, like, that's another yeah. reason
0: I think to drink it cold is that you just. You don't oh. want to taste just alcohol.
1: It's chemically known that things that are colder are less intense. If you were to warm that same product up, it will taste more intense. Yeah, I agree.
2: Just like our cold, cold hearts. <laughs> They're less intense.
1: Um, but you were talking about like a production, basically, of Polish vodka, right? So production on the larger scale or more industrial scale started in the at the end of the 16th century, uh, mainly in Krakow and Silesia. And then a good deal of Polish vodka came from Ponzan, which was a city just uh, that had just shy of 500 working distilleries at a period of time. That's awesome. Right. Eventually, Gdańsk <laughs> would be. Coming... That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Gdańsk could become the uh, biggest producing and exporting city in Poland for vodka, directly contributing to the fact that um, in the 17th and 18th centuries, vodka in Poland was only able to be produced by the nobility and clergy of the region, which Gdańsk was the largest city for that at the time
2: a clergyman
1: yeah yeah well so there's a period of time where and this happens in russia as well but vodka is so huge and so popular and you make so much money off of it that the the royalty and the nobles and the clergy are like well all you guys, yep. we're the only ones who get to make this now, yep. so that we can make all the money on it, ah. and uh, you can just get drunk and come to church and fight my wars. So, have fun with Makes that! Sense. Like, you know, that's a quick, fast history Alcohol of it but... by
2: way of controlling the masses. Mm,
0: yeah. That's and, and this is the only place in history that this has ever happened. Yeah, absolutely, it's never <laughs> ever happened anywhere yeah. else.
1: So, it happens in at the end of the 16th century, it does go back to the public for a little period of time, but then. Uh, we have war happening not too long afterwards, and um, the monopoly was kind of driven by a post World War II regime change, the second monopoly of vodka, um led by the Polish Marxist-Leninist government. The people's government. vodka. Yes, the po- the people. The people don't get to Republic make of Poland. I think the is people what it's don't. People don't yeah, get yeah. to make it. No
0: or make money off of it.
1: Yeah, but it, it, it succeeded the Yalta Conference. So people who know World War II know that the Warsaw Alliance Pact attempted to create this new form of government for Poland, an occupation, an occupation that they had had from Nazis previously, the Red Army afterwards, and then this kind of um, yeah communist <laughs> government <laughs> Mercedes, takeover like sad afterwards. Sad bottles yeah. of
0: industrial vodka <laughs> in a shelf, and it's just a white label with red lettering that says Vodka. Yeah, and nothing else is on there. Yeah, it's, like yeah. The, it's like the beer can labels communist and vodka. Um, yeah, communist vodka. Yeah, communist vodka. Yeah, and like uh, if you ever see the um, the movie Repo Man, he's walking around and everything just says like soup or beer. <laughs> <laughs> Except cereal. There's,
2: there's what it just said: vodka and then obey. Yeah, yeah. vodka.
0: Yeah, and then like the extra song with like sad vodka. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> this government takeover of uh, vodka in Poland happens until 1980s is actually um, it, when that kind of martial law starts to decline. And, but then the sale of vodka in Poland becomes rationed because there's no one really capable to make it to that same degree when government kind of passes it off. It
0: was a tight so, ration too, because I think each Polish Polish adult was only allowed three liters per week, which is not which is very low. not enough for them. Not enough, yeah. no. Maybe not. <laughs> no, I Maybe have nothing
2: to back me. up that
1: number. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Certainly yeah. wouldn't be enough for me. No.
1: So that was Poland. It's kind of definitely really wordy and verbose Russia becomes uh, excuse me follows along a similar pattern so I'll try to keep it to like the highlights. So um, the Russian uh, the first instance where distillery is mentioned in Russia is in the I think it's called pronounced vyatka Chronicle. Um, it's also accepted that the spirit's origins could have come from a uh, 1386 visit visit, excuse me, to Russia by a by a ah, bunch of Italian Genoese. ambassadors. Yeah, Genoese ambassadors, <laughs> um, who brought uh, Grand Duke Dmitry Donsky Donskoy with the uh, Aqua Vitae, basically, that they had made specifically from grape must. And so these Italian ambassadors teach uh, the Russian royals some distillation techniques. And eventually, they create vodka from instead of grapes from their own kind of grains. Um, let's see. There's another period where uh, a monk from 1430 from the Chudov Monastery, Monastery, excuse me, in Moscow. He was said to have been proficient in medical practices, therefore knowing distillation techniques and creating a uh, product called bread. he called bread wine. So making spirit from wheat instead of grapes, but in the same uh, distillation process that they would have. And he produced it as a monopoly for the Grand Duchy of Moscow until the era of industry. So like Poland, it becomes like available to other people as well, but it does create a specific tie of Russian vodka with the city of Moscow, that story in particular. Um after that one kind of sure fact that's really interesting to me at the least is at least is in the 16th century Russian Tsar Ivan the Terrible he decided to bolster the royal treasury by introducing high taxes on vodka and then also establishing a network of taverns across the country yeah, these government so taverns had the exclusive rights to sell vodka to the people, and was uh, and any private manufacturing of the drink was punishable by law. So just like Poland, he's kind of like, well, listen, I want to make all the money on vodka. I want to get all my people drunk, so they're dependent upon me and my money by working for me or working in my in army, In my bars or in my bars. Yeah. So again, he's just nobility is using vodka to kind of control the masses and create their own wealth.
0: Ain't no yeah. party like a high tax government tavern party yeah that's a good time
1: <laughs> and it should be noted you know this is a very
2: toxic relationship to be in so if you ever have yourself your own personal russian czar that's you know putting high taxes on your vodka
0: they're impossible to get out of your house
2: I, yeah i know right
0: they're her- horrible yeah, i have three
1: of them in my basement today who feel very attuned to that yeah statement. well yeah.
0: <laughs> true <laughs> yeah like so, let's try to do a vodka show and not talk about russia in like like right now it's yeah. like yeah. an impossible thing to
1: do yes
2: so, we're not ignorant to the fact, but Booms is always very good about bringing in historical
1: of... If you of, want me to talk about something I'm not supposed to talk about, you I know. There's no one
0: not supposed to talk about it. It's like, but we could just end up
1: Talking totally about diverging. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. I'm yeah. already getting long winded. So, let's come back to.
2: I will shit talk Putin all day. Yes.
1: <laughs> all right. Yes. By, this, by the 17th and 18th centuries, though. Um, Ru- His Russians- face looks
0: like a puckered lemon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so true by the 17th and 18th centuries vodka was uh, well established as the national drink of russia and though the government might have been using it to take all your money and get you super drunk it was used for lots of things like celebration and religious ceremonies great part and due uh, due excuse me in great part to empress elizabeth who regulated the ownership of vodka distilleries and promoted the consumption of vodka afterwards empress the ii also known as Catherine the great mm-hmm. great show on hulu very historically inaccurate but really really funny <laughs> um it's credited for having a hand in creating a purifying the purifying method that we use today so the use of charcoal by, this is the
0: same lady who inspired imperial stout too yes exactly yeah.
1: She's a good drinker apparently yeah um and yeah so it's a, a trend of purity and crisp quality that she created through the use of treated charcoal so it's usually heated or use, uh, chemicals are used to expand it so that it's like even more porous and spongy. Yeah, um, so not long after the Russian government's monopoly of vodka production was repealed, prices dropped and higher quality vodkas became easily acceptable. Um, really cheap, lower quality vodka became acceptable as well. It's just that it was being produced outside of this monopoly. And taxes on vodka became uh, the key element. We already mentioned that, sorry. But by uh, 1911, vodka comprised 89% of all alcohol consumed in Russia. In the entire country of russia oh, that's day. a very oh. large country by 1911. by
0: 1911. and this is then i'm reading what you have down here yeah. well, read the rest of it and then yeah. i have something to this say is this has
1: basically remained the case though dropping slightly to only about 70 percent or so that's really minute though considering and uh, the second highest consumer of vodka outside of the vodka belt in the entire world us okay. yeah 40% Yeah.
0: 40 percent of their you know, state really revenue close. and how much of that was usa contributing to for decades decade, yeah. by drinking something ultimately flavorless. Yeah. And yeah. And eventually we started making our own, and that's great. Right. But man, I don't know. Like
1: 40% a of a state revenue still buys yeah. a
0: lot of guns and tanks. That's so maybe true. you could have fought communism in some more productive ways, <laughs> Joseph McCarthy and everybody else in the 50s and 60s. I'm sure that you, some of those guys who are railing on communists and making all sorts of ridiculous trouble for people. Probably went home and knocked back a few vodka martinis yep, at the end have. of the day. And
2: gin martinis be. are just as good, if not better. <laughs>
3: the wise person once yeah. told
0: me, don't talk about it, be about it. Oh, and <laughs> I don't think our vodka consumption was helping any of our relationships. No, <laughs> back <then>. definitely not. It's <laughs> Like, oh, give them a bunch of money. But, I mean, the, there was a massive sea change, though, with yep. American liquor consumption yeah post-world war ii oh yeah
1: yeah so um i'll come back to sweden in a second because you're you're discussing exactly the next point oh sorry so, it's okay but we're jumping
0: ahead the sweden's i mean they're just happy to be the in the, part, They're just happy to be there yeah, yeah, so the small part this about sweden so much are you really they, were they the ones you were saying like okay thanks if you want to invite us that's cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say that's like awesome like you and poland can just <laughs> totally fight and be dicks to each other call us if there's anything yeah. cool and not shitty and then we'll come to just, that
1: so it comes back to that's Sweden's about, relationship
0: with yeah. Poland and Red Russia wine right there.
1: and burn wine. And by the way, a lot of people say that vodka means fire water. What they really mean is burn wine. That reference that I said before, Woda being water it kind of loops into. So it's all that kind of combined. But Sweden has um, their own term of burn wine, which is called Brenven And they still make it today. A lot of people think that this comes from the base uh, Dutch term brandjeven, which is their term for brandy wine. And uh, brandy
2: wine,
3: brandy in wine. a lot of
1: Icelandic friends will see a similarity to breneven. So it all means the same thing, burn wine, or kind of like early wines. And, uh, yeah, the most popular Swedish vodka. Oh, sorry, absolutely Swedish.
0: Before. I thought, yeah, Polish, something bugging yeah. me about that. But yeah. That was the
1: other part. Was they
0: the sold, and then they sold it, Swedish yeah. Wine. Svedka is yeah. still Sweden. Svedka is also right? still Swedish, yeah. yeah.
1: But uh, to get back to John's point about like its popularity in America, so post-Prohibition, um, the first instance of vodka in the West started after 1917 actually following the Russian Revolution when a bunch of refugee refugees took their love for vodka to America, so it was here before Prohibition. However, during the point of Prohibition where everyone's getting like a bunch of bathtub hooch and like whiskey from Canada or rum from the islands, they're kind of influencing their palate with lots of really Bold flavors compared to vodka for instance but their kids who lived during prohibition either saw their parents out getting feckin' and lit and getting arrested for it <laughs> or weren't old enough themselves to drink anything for like a very long period of time a lot of people drink before the drinking age at that time was 18 tastes they changed. weren't able to so their taste changed what they wanted was something that tasted like almost nothing but still gave them a very good buzz and they can mix it with their like like Hawaiian punch, I think, was started right. You know what I mean? Like Hawaiian yeah. punch was a popular drink at that time. So not Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid comes later. Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I hate that. Oh, my God. But realistically. <laughs> You've been building up to that for 20 minutes.
2: No, I just now thought of it. You know how my brain works. I live in
0: the yeah, moment. But,
1: <laughs> but realistically speaking, they just they wanted to get drunk, but they didn't want any type of intensity. And so vodka naturally lends itself well to that. What it also does is it lends itself well to in- influencing those other sweeter flavors of parts of the cocktail. So like uh, liqueur, like fruit liqueur. Or a curacao, or the mixers, Mm -hmm. is basically what the argument is there. So yeah, um.
0: which is interesting because you can you can blame or credit vodka for a number of things. One of them is the proliferation of of pre bottled and pre made mixers. Yeah, because then you get home and you have two things, right? You need the mixer, you need vodka, you're good to go. You have a cocktail, you put ice in it, and that goes on forever. So you're seeing the other things tailored to the predominant of the day which is just how capitalism works and, yeah. and marketing yeah. works and that leads to like decades worth of really bad bartending yeah yeah really kind of today bartending. how you
2: see
1: leaning heavily on other the, things
2: all the the you know pre-made cocktails you can get like, Can stuff, and stuff. Yeah. yeah which some of them granted are are pretty decent some of them are good. good some of them taste some like, them real. like
0: <laughs> tinny and really really yeah. strange because yeah. you have to you have to put those flavors out on a mass scale right and like when you're making thousands of cans of, of whiskey, ginger, or, or gin and tonic, it's hard to get genuine quinine or, or yeah. ginger we'll get flavors. any Regulation
1: yeah. of flavor as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. From can to can, that can vary potentially too. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I I love, trust me, I love the idea of a, of a can gin and tonic. I think it sounds great. I have to do even less work. And on a Sunday at home, I'm really lazy. But man, I've cracked a couple of those cans. Just like, Whoa! And it's just yeah. this weird, like, yeah. like chemical robotic Mm. And flavor. some of them
2: are very strangely sweet too in a weird yeah.
0: way.
1: Like oversweetened right. for maybe preservative factors. Yeah. yeah. It's gotta be preservation be, agents yeah.
0: or a way to cover other things because fruit and sugar cover all cover a ton.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, that's
0: what happens with bad vodka cocktails. I know? get
1: that just cracking a can is real easy, but they do make portable bar stations and you can take them with you. They're like in little suitcases. I have two of them. I would people take my portable always...
0: bar station from my kitchen to my garage.
2: <laughs> Last summer, people gave I me know. a bunch of shit because I would bring, like if I was making cocktails out on the beach or something, You'd bring I, your shakers I would know I would bring a jigger and people were giving me shit. I'm like, I want to know how much booze I'm actually drinking. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's an
1: all day drink. You yeah. really have to know how much you need Trying to hydrate as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
2: Oh, there was no hydration. It was just booze drinking. Just but, whatever mm. you
1: swallowed from the beach itself. Yes. Okay. Uh, so one of the one of those Russian refugees that I mentioned before was Peter Smirnov and his son Vladimir, and um, they one of the things about their particular brand Smirnov is that they jump straight into marketing slogans and then also mixers. So like you, like John was talking about like uh, vodka add ginger beer. What do you basically have a mule? Just add a little bit of lime, but otherwise <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Vodka. What do you add to make the, Bloody the, Mary? The mule
0: was invented by the Smirnov company.
1: It was, yeah. yeah. The mule and the Bloody Mary, both. So facts. you're just adding tomato juice for the most part, but one of the uh, their long-running campaign of quote-unquote leaving you breathless, is what kept them in people's minds like well into that Living three martini breathless. lunch phase as well. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because after you've puked up your three martini lunch <laughs> and you're choking on bile, you can't draw a full breath.
2: <laughs> uh, but you mm. can drink a Bloody Mary.
0: Yes, you can. Then the very next oh. day.
1: Listen, I ate
2: olives with it
0: yeah that's lunch (laughs) there's like a lot of celery on that stock
1: yeah so you know more brands launch in the us and the uk and smirnoff is not the only brand that becomes popular anymore um but it does appear also in the bond film dr no as uh, connery orders himself a martini shaken not stirred the bottle that dr no picks up to make his cocktail is smirnoff and the timing coincides like a true villain Cultural revolution of the swinging 60s, and with that affluent younger generation, um, generally they like a more relaxed lifestyle with emphasis on adventure and experimentation. And so that's when vodka's uh, mobility and mixability for infusions, as well as being paired to pretty much any mixer, um, drives drives an even stronger emphasis towards. uh,
0: And people travel more, and resorts become more popular, warm destinations, and fruit forward becomes the order Mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah. Cocktail wise. Plus the old drinks are, are considered um, drinks of an older generation. You know, you don't want to drink what your parents drink. Yeah.
1: Generational yeah. change for for cocktails and spirits in general is very, very predominant. Mm-hmm. And so if your dad drank this, you don't want to drink it anymore. You don't drink the next best and thing. And I think with
2: that too, like like you said, more like jet setting people, kind of like traveling to like resorts and stuff, you probably see then like um I don't know if proliferation is the word, but like more like lower costing shittier spirits basically that these resorts or something yeah. someplace would buy because they're, oh,
1: they're trying to sell to like right. a mass exactly. yeah and, yeah, and so that's where it's you capitalism. get some of the
2: the yeah. more poorly made kind of bottles I would have yeah, to Yeah and add. you'll How fly
0: through it if you can get your cost uh, on your bottle of vodka from one drink yeah or two drinks yeah you're going to do yeah. it because you're a resort and you're going to be plowing through. And, and you're adding enough sugar juicy and shit
1: and, and yep, 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 that it's yep. masking it whatever's unpleasant anyway. Yeah. So um vodka in cocktails, we talked about a little bit already, but the first recorded recipe for a vodka drink came from the Savoy cocktail book published in nineteen thirty, called a blue Monday, and it was very befitting of something easy and boozy to drink, and it was vodka, quantro, and blue vegetable juice, blue which vegetables. you can read as yeah. blue food coloring.
0: <laughs> but the real question is the next day, how did it feel? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Good reference. But yeah,
1: yeah. so yeah. We, we associate vodka cocktails with really cool people like James Bond and the Rat Pack, but then at the same time, too, you associate it with masking flavor or having very little to no flavor, um, but eventually it does uh, push itself into the later cocktail crowds as well, so you're getting into the 80s and 90s for that cocktail we all know, and some of us hate, the Cosmo, it's Carrie Bradshaw's because favorite cocktail and sex in Sex and the City. Oh, I don't hate it anymore. <laughs> no
0: no i don't care about it anymore because i don't have to make one because r doesn't carry cranberry That's juice true. for that reason
1: but if you do have cranberry juice the cocktail uh made by neil murray in uh 1975 at the cork and cleaver steakhouse in minneapolis uh is vodka uh Cointreau and lemon juice, basically a kamikaze. and he added a splash of cranberry juice. And a, glass, a guest, excuse me, declared, "How cosmopolitan!" Giving him the
0: inspiration <laughs> oh to name the. God. Cocktail. Okay, so I got nothing wrong with Neil. Whoever called that drink cosmopolitan is an, is an idiot because the, a dangus. Uh, yes, but <laughs> however, you gotta you gotta love the the pure bartending in the moment flex of doing that right. Like I will make you oh, this kamikazi, yeah. and I'm gonna throw in. A splash of cranberry. It's pink. It's shaken. It, it is such an ultimate in the moment move. Yeah, like the advent of the Cosmo is is awesome in terms of like just being a great example of of kind of bartending on your feet. Yeah, and developing is- something that's clean, easy, very easy to describe, and very easy to drink.
1: And it's way cooler than saying, "I'd really like a vodka drink that's like tart, but I have a UTI. Can you help me out?" Oh,
3: Holy,
2: diva. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is really what they were saying.
0: Oh
1: that's the story that I always thought it was until I looked it up. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, that's a great urban myth.
0: Yeah, urban bartending myth.
1: <laughs> All right, so I mean, not a ton- not as much history um, as maybe some of our other podcasts. Like, I don't. What timeline are we on, Mark?
2: um yeah you're correct but that's okay because we got some vodka. well but i'm also
0: i mean i think it's nice it would be nice to like talk a little bit about what we think about vodka because i'm exactly i've been doing this for 21 years so i've had this very up and down relationship with this in terms of my job right like when i first built the laundries bar in 2004 Mm -hmm. it was really important for me to get like say the recipe for a cosmo right right yeah i don't make them now because i make a really good cosmo and i made hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands of them for years down the street. So when I opened R, it's like I just don't want to make that drink anymore. It's not that I want to make vodka drinks. I just don't want to make that drink anymore. Yeah.
1: Uh, and you can make drinks that hit that same flavor note and yeah. profile without actually having yeah, right. to make yeah. that drink.
0: Yeah. And yeah. it's just it's just more interesting. Yeah. But
2: so your Cosmo recipe is now a secret that will be lost to time.
0: Not really.
1: <laughs> they still make them at the laundry yeah, yeah they make yeah. well
0: I think oh, they, they're still well, making the same one. Go have one. You'll love it. Anyway yeah. the this this whole thing starts to change right like you you come up as a bartender especially in the early 2000s you have to do stuff with it you sort of like it cuz you can sell a bunch of drinks make people happy gather a following around a, a couple drinks but then you start to hate it cuz you learn more and you want to make stuff with gin and you want to make stuff with white rum and you want to make stuff with agave and so you start you know like fuck vodka and i'm going to dog on vodka all the time but then you realize that vodka is part of how you make your money it's part yeah. of how you pay for the other stuff right. behind the back bar right. so you have to continue to embrace it so it it goes it goes back and forth. It, it's always been kind of like twisted up in a lot of different right. ways of thought for me because yeah. it's well, especially it's, as a bar owner, We have, it. We, yeah, have like, to use it.
2: You see, you probably see the highest um profit margins on you know your vodka bottles. I mean they're you not bad, have to, no. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know? yeah. yeah. One of the things I find interesting, because you know, it's already part of the topic that you brought up. There's uh, a bartender who was in Detroit at the time. He's actually gonna make his way into Fenton soon. He came up to my bar with his girlfriend and they were having the argument about like, uh, I just want a vodka cocktail, she goes. And he's like, why would you want a vodka cocktail? It's no good, it just, she just wanted one, which is fair. And she asked me because she had asked him, like, do you like vodka? My answer was no. And she's like, oh, like thinking that she had lost the battle. And so she goes, but why? And so I said, I dislike vodka because I don't think it imparts anything to a cocktail. besides alcohol, besides getting someone drunk, which, to be fair, is part of a cocktail. But I had the caveat that her boyfriend did not have. But I do appreciate it for a couple different things, one being infusions. If I want to add one flavor to a spirit without it clashing with with certain elements of gin or whiskey or whatever else, I'm going to grab vodka for that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the other part of it, too, is that if I want a cocktail that that the only influence of flavor is those outside spirits. Again, I'm going to grab vodka. So if my liqueur or my Amaro or whatever else I might be using is pretty subtle and a, grabbing another spirit would overpower those flavors, vodka is your choice. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the cool things about the other spirits like gin or whatever is that they are actually. If they're imparting a certain amount of flavor that usually develops more nuance to flavor. Yeah. That vodka won't give you.
0: It, it'll, yes, the idea or of weight or depth to you. a cocktail. Yeah. You know, and a vodka cocktail won't have that. And that's it. But I mean, vodka's is tofu, right? Like, it'll take on whatever you give it. So, yeah, it, that's important too. And it's yeah. also important yeah. for, I think, people who want to get into cocktails who really have a hard time tasting anything with actual flavor is that the, this is how you get used to okay, say a right. <laughs> balance between um like acid and sugar and and bubbles and stuff like yeah. so yeah. if i make you a vodka collins with lavender syrup you're going to really taste the, the lemon and the lavender
2: yeah you yeah. know if, it'll it, enhance those other
0: things right and it won't take away or or distract from any of that um and i think that's that's kind of it's it's a, it's a useful tool like you'll for have sure. people yeah. who like vodka yeah. for whatever reason and you'll serve them for a year and then all of a sudden they're like okay you know i just want something botanical and mm-hmm. it, it, once you get to know him you're like okay i can just totally slip hendrix into this next cocktail Absolutely, and yeah. then all of a sudden we're having a conversation about gin like you don't want to talk about it strictly in gateway terms but it is that way it's yeah. our gateway not theirs but our gateway yes. to introduce other eventual flavors for yep, people yep and that's very very useful
2: i would say i have i have one argument to Booms' statement that Vodkas don't necessarily add anything to a cocktail, and my argument to that is going to be American liquor company
0: or Zubravka or, or Zubravka. Yeah, so which we'll talk about those in a second. Statement was yeah. generalized. That is well, fair. Yeah, mark. Yeah. yeah, I want to lay out one thing, and I've been waiting to to talk about this. I think I've mentioned it in other podcasts, and I. I'm just gonna go on record because I thought about it all last night, and I was gonna say something nice about the Dirty Martini and the Vodka Show, what? and I thought about it forever, and I just fucking can't. <laughs> that drink is horrible. <laughs> I I will never stop oh. hating that drink. I don't care if you give me, um, the like like Moroccan olive brine that that rode through a desert on a camel and cost seventy five dollars for three ounces that
2: Debbie Harry farted in. And
0: it. yeah, whatever. And like <laughs> some twenty five times distilled czars vodka and yeah. and some some really great olives i will still not like that drink i well, don't because it's
2: just it's I just mean, people I'd, order it for the salinity right correct and it's no.
0: like or I,
1: sometimes a bar snack like if i want a bar snack i'm just gonna ask you to spear some uh, olives and yeah. i'll give you a, a tenner i, I have guess to,
0: i, I you get, order whatever you want that's fine i will make it we still make those but I have a hard time getting into the the ins and outs and the and, and the nuances of it. Like I don't need to debate for fifteen minutes what vodka I'm going to put in it because there's going to be an awful lot of brine on top of it.
2: Right. Yeah. So don't overpay. That is an I guess. instance where really the vodka you use does not matter.
0: Nah, right? really, to me, the brine's I mean, pretty overpowering. Yeah. yeah, there are things that are meant to. I mean, there's been that there. There was a gin made in Detroit that used a little like olive and salinity in it, and that was supposed to be like. Part of a perfect, like it was supposed to be a gin, like for an ideal martini. If you like olives in your martini, which I don't, yeah, I like lemon zest in mine. So Mm -hmm. I have a very problematic relationship with that drink because I think people just kind of horse blind or order it. Yeah, it's 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 one of those go
2: tos that like if you don't want to take the effort to like look at what a place has on their menu, dirty vodka martini, you know, yeah, Yeah. because most all places can make them.
0: But I understand why people like them. I just personally hate that drink. Yeah, if
1: someone's gonna. I'm sorry. The one thing I'll give to that is that if someone's going to ask me, I would like a dirty martini, should I do vodka or gin? I would always say vodka. Absolutely. Yes, but other than sure. that, yeah it's, yeah, it's not my favorite either. I like olives. I would just eat them as a bar snack.
0: Now, speaking of vodka martinis, I went. we had an event here for um, one of our reps, a deal, and he did, did a couple's uh, shower for him. And he's our rep for William Grant, so he's got a lot of great product. Uh, specifically in the gin and vodka world, Hendricks and, and Rika. Mm-hmm. Well, we did this event all day, and I left, and I went down to uh, like a the Italian place right down the street because I was really hungry, and uh, I was sitting down and getting ready to order my my food, and I wanted a, I was going to get like a uh, I was going to get a cocktail like a gin martini. I was going because I like that before like a big meal. I was going to get a tangerine martini. And he comes up, he says, "Hey, can I buy you a drink?" And I don't like Hendricks and martinis, so I right. pivoted and I thought, "Well, if I'm he's going to buy it for me, I'll I'll." By his product and that rica martini that i ordered was delightful probably real good yeah, oh. yeah well the lemon zest it was really really good like clean like the clean vodka martini does right. have i think yeah it does have a benefit yeah it'll do that kind of same premium thing and if you just don't like almost the taste of like gin, an
2: aperitivo or something like yeah. that you know
0: so to wrap up the dirty martini conversation is like i understand why you like them they're salty try like a like a traditionally made dry vodka martini because those yeah. are indeed fantastic
2: and order like a salty snack. Like we have almonds that are salty, order some bar nuts or something like that. Like you don't need, you don't need the olives people. <laughs> you don't
0: need, or, or just eat them on the side. Or yeah. Cause yeah. I like to eat olives. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Could do that too. So you mentioned Reika.
0: I did mention Rika, which we pour a lot of.
1: We pour a lot of it. We have a bottle here. It is from William Grant and sons and it's from the uh, beautiful Icelandic uh, region specifically Iceland. And, um, <laughs> it is, it's its its in, own island. It's No, it's in Reykjavik, which is Reykjavik, why it's called yeah. Reykjavik. Um, it's small batch and handcrafted. It's the only distillery in uh, Iceland for vodka, actually. And it's produced using geothermal heat for distillation making. It has about as eco-friendly as you can get. It uses water directly from a 4,000-year-old lava field. Uh, it is only 80 proof, so it's the lowest ABV that it must be for at least the American market. And uh, the water is considered so good that it's actually bottled and sold by itself as well from that. Really? I place that place. I that for the yeah. money,
0: and this is the same price as Tito's, uh, it is ultra clean. Yes. Like, I had no, used this no burn whatsoever.
2: To convert. I've used this vodka to, con- to convert so many Tito's drinkers. It's yeah. ridiculous. Well, it helps that we don't carry Tito's
0: either. Well, also that.
3: But.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is
1: what you
0: get for a lot of the, for a lot of the people. But
1: one of the, do you guys want to try some of this, by so. Yes. I okay. I don't Mark think I've tasted Rika
0: since we um since we carried it. So to mention a deal again. Uh, yeah. shout outs to. Yeah, everybody. we're gonna have to Thank tag you, him or something on this because yeah. he's gonna love the show. But uh, we were doing a um a tasting with staff and i because william grant's portfolio includes Balvenie and uh glenfiddich and monkey shoulder the real reason i did it because i did it in the fall uh i wanted him to bring in the single malts because i wanted staff to taste the single malts because i wanted them to be able to sell them over the holidays and he said hey man i gotta i gotta bring in Rika too you know like the, the the bosses really want me to you know taste all the marks and i said that's fine i don't care we'll taste it and move on and he poured it first and the entire staff tasted rica yeah. and i think by the end of that meeting we had switched that, like we had yes. decided to well, drop tito's yeah, instantly it was,
2: yeah, instantly. It was yeah. like yeah it was a sleeper hit the rica
0: <laughs> it was yeah we we had the scotch tasting and everybody walked away talking about the vodka so yeah. <laughs> it changed our it changed our back bar
1: yeah um rica is actually made from barley the same barley i believe that they use for some of the malts in william Grant and william Sons. yeah
0: i don't remember him mentioning that but i believe you Okay. Yeah, malted totally barley. Yeah. At least in my research, I found that. I, okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, they're also one of the only distilleries still using a Carter head still. Uh, a lot of gin distillers will still use this. It has an intense amount of copper, um, and that gives it, they say, unparalleled smoothness for distillation because copper is so inductive. And they also use instead of charcoal, they use the natural lava rock uh, from Iceland to continue that smooth factor. <laughs> Arguably, there is charcoal in lava rock, but you know more minerality than. Plain activated charcoal, I guess mm-hmm. you might say. Yeah. It's just
2: funny. I took the glass to, do, you know, what you habitually you go to do the nose first. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's vodka. That's straight. Well, yeah, yeah. you're not gonna smell anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 it
0: smells like Nothing. alcohol. <laughs> it smells
1: like the glass. I think just
0: super clean. Dude. Yeah, it's delightful room temperature, yeah. but I mean, this cold, like icy cold, yeah, would just go right down.
1: Nice. I'll add
2: it to the little bit of. Vodka tonic, I have. Right? I lost
0: mine.
1: So, oh, no. The only <laughs> other vodka brand that I develop notes for is Zbroka, which well, you you mentioned very it's briefly so cool. in Poland, yeah. but it is freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, this stuff is fun. Oh, and it's yellow.
1: So, we carry Bach's Zbroka bison grass. Um, so, I guess it might be easier to see from the sides. So there's actually a blade of bison grass in every yeah. single bottle, which it's, is wheat. It is. What? Is it wheat? It's grass. It's actually grass.
0: Oh, it's actually grass. It's actually
1: a grass. Okay. Yeah. The bison's peeing um, on it, John. There's bison <laughs> so grass the at Seven Great Lakes State Park, believe it or not. Really? It's American bison bison grass instead of Polish bison grass. But yeah, there's like a protected field of it there because it's one of the oldest um, naturally growing grasses in America and we have a lot less of it than we used to. So
2: Oh, yeah. is that like when you're first driving in and you like see it in the yeah. fields? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I always wondered
2: what that was because I was like, why is this field of just really nothing protected?
1: Tall but, grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Broken ranks is about third or fourth best-selling vodka um, in the world. Is it really? From Poland from, oh, Poland. from Poland. Poland. Okay. After After wow. um, like Absolute and uh, Luskova and Kortiazsia, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm probably butchering it. So sorry, anyone who's Polish or knows how to speak Polish. It's available in more than 80 markets worldwide. Send us a message and tell us how to do this Please for tell me how to yeah. talk. <laughs> Tell Can you, you tell us how to
2: podcast?
0: Yeah, actually, it, anybody, if you ever hear that we're pronouncing something wrong, please yeah. let us oh,
1: know. Oh, yeah, comment. Let us know. It's yeah. cool. Um, but, yeah, it it's sold in uh, several thousand markets, if you will. Not really. It's 80 markets. But in Polish, the word uh, Turoka is officially used for the term for bison grass. And it's, the name Zubrocha is used in folk terminology and colloquially. So that's oh. where they're taking that name from. Interesting. And it comes from the term "zuba," meaning um. Bison and then, yeah, brocha or something meaning grass. So, the word for European bison in many Slavic languages and Baltic languages. So, the Zubroka bison grass vodka is usually served chilled on its own. It's an alternative. Uh, As an alternative, you can mix it with apple juice and it's known as uh, apple cake in Polish, a frisky bison in the UK, or a Polish kiss in the US. Sometimes served over ice cream or another common mixture is ginger ale. Only the Polish would serve <laughs> vodka over ice cream. That's awesome. Then, I'm going to uh, do that. A black bison is what they call a zbroka mixed with black currant juice and a zubrate, much like a Czech mate, is um, with
0: – Beer. Lemonade. Oh, with the lemonade. Okay. Oh, vodka okay. with lemonade, yeah. So with with zubroka, if you're going to go buy it – and I I – I highly recommend you do because it's delicious and it has a mild like kind of grainy sweetness to it, which is really, really attractive. Mm-hmm. It does have flavor, but the flavor is from the grain.
1: And, don't, the, and the grass.
0: Don't expect it to work the same way a normal vodka would in your vodka tonics or like in a martini. Don't put the dirty martini. Like it, it is a specific type of thing. It loves citrus, specifically lemon, like soft citrus, and it loves apples. Green yeah anything Tart apple, apple. base you can put with superco you will be rewarded mm-hmm. um we've topped it with hard cider yep we've done it with just fresh pressed green apple juice yep. you can do it with just like bottled martinelli's apple juice and it's awesome mm-hmm. and apple juice is a notoriously crappy mis- mixer for cocktails like it usually doesn't work whatsoever
2: yeah it's hard to work with apple juice Man. <laughs> but
0: um this particular vodka has just got such an adherent for um, for apples. There's another drink that I came across recently called the Count of Zubravka. The
1: Count of Zubrovka.
0: Ah, which is so good. And it's Zubravka, lemon juice, Montenegro Amaro, and you top it with cider, like hard oh, I cider. I love Montenegro with, yeah, Ooh, so with good. Yeah. So we've been doing it with a semi sweet uh, from Blake's Flannel Mouth, which is good. But we've got this new one coming in called Thistle Cross, which is a Scottish cider that is aged in Glenroth's Roth's. Scotch barrels, and I'm gonna make one with that. Talk it's dirty to, to me, yeah. John. Foley. <laughs> but we also, there's also Green Man from Tandem, which would be yeah. ideal with oh, this. Oh, Green Man
2: would be good. Yeah. 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 Is that the, is that the, like, their standard cider? Or is that the, no, pecan that's one?
0: that's the dry one. No, the you're dry, thinking of Vander, yeah. So, uh, Tandem is up in Sutton's Bay. Hey, JP. Thanks for listening. He's not listening. <laughs> anyway, he could be. Though. Um, it is Sutton's Bay, and they're, the, like, they're pretty much the driest cider house in, in Michigan that, yep. that, that you can get.
2: Yeah. yeah, this has a lot of other flavors going on other than just ethanol, you know? Yeah. Like
1: yeah. Cinnamon, apple. Cinnamon is a big part in that, too. And one of the things yeah. that I find super fascinating about Zabrocha is they get their bison grass from the so Bialgozia forest. Again, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce things. Um, but it's one of the last and largest remaining parts of the immense prime evil forest that won't stretch the entire European plain, and it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, so it's protected and the forest is home to over 800 European bison. And dark magic. And dark yes. magic.
2: I do always mess with people at the bar when I talk to them about this vodka. I'm like, yeah, they go through and they pick out all the blades of grass that the bison's have peed on, and oh that's why it's yellow. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> That's not
0: true.
1: John, didn't you also name a drink, the Southern Cross, that you used with this because yeah, of the tree? Because of the tree. Yeah. It's like the you oldest, want to tell
0: that story? It's like the oldest tree in that. It's like this massive in tree forest, in yeah. the entire forest. Yeah. So we did a, yeah, the Southern Cross was a, um, was a mule variant that I did with uh, Cassis and Benedictine, black pepper syrup, lemon juice, and ginger beer. It's delicious. And it's really good. Yeah. And it, uh I named it the Southern Cross because that's I like the idea of this massively dark, dense forest that used to stretch over everything, and this one particular tree, like this is the this yeah. is the the old one. It's, it's an end.
1: So if you're ever in Poland, maybe go there. That sounds like if a they let fun you in, place to go. they let you yeah, you can go to UNESCO heritage sites. You just can't like go off the path or anything yeah. like that, you know. Yeah.
2: We're also going to add this to the vodka
1: Sweet. It's
0: just going to be an amalgamation.
1: All right, <laughs> so this is this is your show now, boys. I got nothing else for this. Got nothing other else, ones, but. Well, we I, guess,
0: I guess uh, one thing that I was thinking of when we were doing the show and I, I want to mention is that I, I think I've said this in the podcast before, you, the phrase, I'll just have. You hear yeah. it all the time. I'll yeah. just have a Pinot Grigio. You know, I'll, just have a, uh, I'll just have a Dirty martini. I'll mean? just have a Bud Light Lime. <laughs> 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 Don't drink Bud Light Lime. Anyway, I get why you do it. I've done it too. We've worked all week. We finally sat down we just want to talk to our friends we want to have a drink we want to relax we don't want to think about it too much i'll just have because that's a decision you don't want to make yeah right but it doesn't take much to get a good vodka cocktail that you haven't had before from a good bartender if the bartender feels even a slight bit adventurous chances are putting out a a, a vodka drink is like the easiest thing that they can do yes so say hey i like vodka i like citrus i like a little bit of bubbles i like botanicals i like whatever like two or three sentences is probably enough for most people to be like Mm -hmm. okay no i'm going to give you this i'm going to do something slightly different and it can be as easy as making a vodka collins with rosemary syrup instead of uh regular simple syrup because most vodka drinkers who are going to drink something bubbly and citrusy might not have even had a craft vodka collins made for them in years so let alone the rosemary syrup being a different flavor. The proportions are going to be are going to be spot on. It's going to be a well made Collins, and that is enough to shake a vodka drinker out of the doldrums of what they normally drink. And I think that's what makes vodka fun. You can yeah. blow minds with vodka almost as easy yeah. as you can anything else, because so many vodka drinkers have been shoved the same old crap the forever. same old, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And I think I can say for me personally, you might feel the same way too. That's one of the reasons why, like, I try to challenge myself to make vodka cocktail for the house cocktails you
0: know i think you and i menu. alternate yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. I, it's I, it's like our turn yeah each, each menu because yeah. vodka,
2: well vodka can be a, a cool thing in cocktails and you can, sure you can use it to like elevate other flavors like you were yeah. alluding to before yeah. Yeah, yeah. don't awesome. you
0: have cachaça I and mean, you have bakarovka in your I have uh which is cool because that's a, that's very eastern europe yes
3: yeah
0: yeah. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, I mean i learned how to drink bakarovka when i was extremely young because i was over there yeah and in prague we thought we were badasses drinking bakarovka shots for their our pilsner and yeah, check yeah. bartenders are looking at us like you guys are assholes You're be dead <laughs> in an hour but that's the beauty of vodka is you can put something like bakarovka or cachaça or benedictine or cassis in it and rest assured that it ingredient will shine show. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yep it yeah. will absolutely shine
1: i agree with mark's sentiment too about like challenging yourself to to use certain ingredients like i've been doing that lately with tequila because yeah. it's a spirit that i don't prefer the flavor of yep. um but i'd like vodka it could be next. so far vodka has been harder for me than any other spirit to try and create a cocktail with, do with that balance. isn't a classic with a slight variation right. like, to be more original than that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Rum was that way for me. I I think because I I turned twenty one and became a bartender and pretty. <laughs> bad time for rum like it was early 2000s and i wasn't i didn't know i I didn't have my foundation of tiki knowledge then so it's just like you know captain morgan's and a bunch of really bad stuff so i had to kind of like i wormed my way in and forced my way into learning rum right the same way you did with tequila because it's like i gotta understand this this is globally too important for me to not figure out what i'm doing and i i mean (laughs) I, i i thought about this this particular moment of the podcast earlier too and it's just like if any young bartenders are listening out there and everybody hates that shit right like every time i listen to the tigers and jim price is like for all you kids listening to the uh the broadcast and like no kids listen to the tigers Don't on the radio really ever and every time he does that it's because and a kid hears it is because he's stuck out in the garage while his dad's cleaning the garage he's like he won't even turn on music and this grandpa is telling me to keep my eye on the ball or whatever <laughs> but for real though if you're learning how to bartend at home or you're or you're just getting into learning builds and and how cocktails are made yeah don't discount vodka don't skip the 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 foundational steps because vodka will teach you how to get your builds yeah, just right because for sure. there's no way to hide if the sugar and the um or the fat and the acid or the juice is in disproportion yep booze can't help you there
2: no yeah True. yeah, yeah. It's all about the proportions. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So oh, it's, I mean, it's absolutely got virtue.
2: Yeah.
0: Even though I, get, I still want to roll my eyes about it all the time. <laughs> but we should, we should mention the Michigan vodka that we carry, right? Um, well, yes, but we, we got to do we we have it. Two, we got to yeah, do it real quick. <laughs> okay. All right. Valentine. Ferndale. Very famous. Valentine is not just the house that makes Mayor Pingree. I don't want to get into Mirror Pingree bourbon right now. I'm not on a bourbon forum, and I don't want to get angry. But <laughs> Valentine Vodka. Very, very excellent. Also, American Liquor Company, made from Michigan grapes? Distilled from grapes?
2: Yes. Uh, it's distilled no, from actually a couple things. Wheat, yeah, rye, wheat,
3: barley, rye, and
0: not corn. Grapes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, all the grains. Yeah, all the grains. <laughs> yeah,
2: all the grains. It's sourced from um, distillates from no, the Midwest.
0: Never mind. The grape... The, Say, I, you're thinking like, of Citadel. <laughs> no, what I'm doing like is I'm thinking of, of a product that our rep for American Liquor Company oh, repped before she repped for American Liquor Company. So, oh. sorry, Cole. I did not mean to get that wrong. But this is made in, of all places, Temperance, Michigan. Yes,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's excellent. and has Was a, it
1: made by Carrie Nation? Her zombie. And, oh, right.
0: Uh, she said. It's, got a, it's got a ridiculously lovely mellow it, sweetness yeah. and a little bit of mouthfeel
1: yeah and
2: i think you said the grape thing because when you taste it it does have this kind of like grapey kind of like back no thing. i said
0: that because i'm an idiot and well, I no, yeah <laughs> i was trying to give you the benefit <laughs> no don't that. do that but yeah this is
2: right. this is really good stuff sourced from just from the midwest blended in temperance michigan i love it i think it's great
0: killer price yeah yeah, yeah.
2: it's like 20 dollars a bottle or something yep
0: yep Sweet. and they're an awesome awesome partner to have they're really fun to work with
1: yeah I have nothing to add.
0: (laughs) Who knew that the vodka (laughs) podcast would go right up against it time-wise? Yeah. Lots of digressions.
1: uh,
2: Before we go, be sure to check out all of our social medias, the Relief & Resource Company on Facebook, Relief & Resource on Instagram, Relief underscore resource on Twitter.
0: Find us this podcast and send us a message. Yeah. We don't hear from anybody, and we would love to. Yes. Yeah. Tell us something. Give us an idea.
2: I'd like you personally to write me a letter. Yeah. Could do. Or if you want, there's somebody you wants to talk about. Email us on the website. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It's it. great. We'll idea. compile it. We'll yeah. get to it.
0: Yeah. Maybe we'll do a mailbag show one day, oh, seven years from now, when we have enough listeners. Oh, we talked <laughs> about this once. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So hit us up with some ideas. We'll try to. We'll try to put that out there each show. Yeah. All right.
2: Until next time. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Adios.
3: Yachara.
0: Let's see, vodka soda, vodka tonic, vodka cranberry, vodka OJ, vodka ginger, vodka ginger, lemon, vodka ginger with lime, vodka lime with ginger, vodka ginger (laughs) with lime and cranberry, vodka ginger with lime and cranberry and oj, vodka oj with cardamom, and lavender, (laughs) vodka lavender with ginger, cardamom, lime, and bitters, vodka with no bitters, vodka with extra bitters, vodka shaken, vodka stirred, (laughs) vodka frappade. Vodka with protein powder vodka, with soju vodka, with baiju vodka, with koju vodka, with toju.